You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you round the league with Charles Davis from the NFL on Fox. We'll have our weekly conversation with former Falcons quarterback DJ Shockley and preview Monday Night Football between the Panthers and the Dolphins. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Raiders cornerback TJ Carey. TJ, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on the show. It it's, is, uh, it's been good. Our nice pleasure. week. Yeah, and we want to talk about your amazing journey to the NFL. So I used to do TV and radio in the Bay Area. I'm well aware of what it means to play at De La Salle National Power, but when you were getting it done in high school, you were dealing with something far more serious than football. Can you take us back to the events that led to you having heart surgery? Yeah, um, I, I would. it goes back earliest to let's say my freshman year of high school, and uh, it was. it wasn't until that moment that we – kind of figured out something was going on as I would practice. I would get a lot of shortness of breath and in some instances uh, more serious sometimes would pass out. And so that is what allowed us to really start diving into, okay, what is the reason for what's going on? And so I took my freshman year off of football and, and focused on more or less going to doctors and, and going through numerous of testing and evaluation to really kind of diagnosed what was really going on. And it wasn't until my sophomore year when we really diagnosed that I was born with a birth defect. And so uh, that birth defect didn't allow me to be able to perform on the field as far as football, track and field, or sports in general. And so uh, sophomore year, I was able to have the surgery. Awesome. I had I actually had the surgery on Valentine's Day. So uh, heart day for heart surgery. And from there, it took me about a year to recover from that surgery. So my whole junior year, I I went into total recovery mode, and uh, a lot of that success of being able to recover was from my my oldest brother, Renard Carey. He was the trainer. He was my trainer at that time, and he rehabbed me back, and him and some of his colleagues, uh, family, friends, a lot of praying, and came out and had a tremendous senior year of high school ball, and that's all she wrote. TJ, courageously, you came back, and, and now your story is is continuously being written uh, because now you're in the National Football League. When dealing with some of the kids, with some of the foundations that you're volunteering your time uh, being with, uh, what type of stories are you being able to tell, and, and how is it affecting them to the point where it, it causes you, to, from a passion standpoint, to continue to go back to tell your story? Because you're living proof that if – you know, with prayer and, and good friends and positive energy and family around, uh, and, and and obviously a good hand from the man upstairs, you can continue to do what you love to do and do it with a big heart, as as you know you have, and also with some courage. Yeah, um, you know that was more or less the basis of why I started my foundation, the TJ Carey Foundation, just because you know I'm a living proof and example of what it means to go through a traumatic experience in in your life, you know, because this is something that uh, affects me in every facet of, of, of the things and the decisions that I make on a daily basis. And I wanted to be able to share my experience to, to know that 
through all else, you know, if you're always optimistic and you do all of the right things as far as, you know, you listen to your doctors and you work hard, you can still achieve your dreams. And so when I go and talk to a lot of the kids at Oakland Children's Hospital, uh, I really I sit down and just try to explain to them that, you know, through the struggle that they're going through now, there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And it takes you to really dig deep, dig, dig deep down into your heart of emotions and feelings and use all of the resources you can around you to still reach your dream and your goal and to show them that, that you know, I'm a living proof. And, and so I, I always try to give back as much as I can to the kids because, you know, there's a lot of things and a lot of people in the world that tell, will tell you you can't, you will not, and you can't because of these reasons. And it's that reason why I felt like it made me more passionate about achieving my goal and my dream to play in the, the National Football League. So it's a lot of a lot of the strengths that I bring to the kids to just share my experience and my story and just show them that, you know, I'm a living proof and I'm an example. And there's more people like me that are sharing their stories and giving courageous courage to the kids. Website is tjcarryfoundation.org. Please do check it out because TJ is doing great work in the community. TJ, as you know, there's been some grumbling about Thursday night football, but I think undeniably the best game of the season was played between your team and Kansas City. Was that the wildest game you've ever been a part of? <laughs> uh, by far had to be the wildest. Uh, I would say the wildest last 15 seconds of a game that I've seen in, in so many years and and I'm glad that we were being able to be a part of that experience just because it shows you how hard it is to win in the National Football League and you know how important everyone's job is on that field you know and, and you know you, you look at the refs if they make one off decision that 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 game goes a totally different way you know and so um, you know, they're a big part of, of the game and the value that we have within this game. And uh, we, we, as players, we go out there and have fun. And, and I think that game was the true example of why fans and, and people in the world love to watch football because those moments, because those games and those experiences where it's like, man, oh, they got it. They didn't get it. They got it again. They didn't get it. Wow. I can't believe it ended like that. And so, you know, those are the oohs and the ahs that fans, you know, love to come and enjoy the fans and, and, and see what it really means to play a National Football League game. TJ, when you get to the halfway point of the season and, and you see the team is it's not necessarily where they where you want to be, but yet you're finding ways to win games at this point in time of the year, which is the big time part of the year because now you position yourself within your division. Hopefully you can also put yourself in position uh, in the AFC. But when you look at Marshawn Lynch and what he brings to the table, it's not the gawkish numbers that we've seen him do when he was with the Seattle Seahawks, but just him in general. Tell us what does he bring to the locker room? What does he bring to the practice field? What does he bring to the game day experience when it comes to who he is as a person? You know, he, he brings a lot of emotion. You know, Marshawn is an, an emotional uh, man that, that I've grown to learn and experience from my standpoint. He brings a lot of passion to his game. And, you know, though he doesn't have those gawky numbers, mostly numbers, you know, he brings more value to that backfield that we have. You know, those the other running backs that we have, you know, allowing, um, picking Derek Carr's brain and, and giving that, that energy that he has to the defense, to the offense. And he's, you know, he's categorized as 
that's what the Raider way is. You know, smash mouth football, aggressive style, um, and in his his feature, beast mode football. And so, those are the things that he's been able to bring that that shares off into a lot of the guys that we have on the team, and me myself as general. That you know, sometimes it's going to get gritty, it's going to get real dirty and nasty, and you're going to want somebody in your corner that's going to get gritty, dirty, and nasty. And it's going to be relentless as much as you are. And, you know, Beast Mode is somebody that you'll love to have in that corner. So he's done more than just um, the value of what he does on the field is is exponential as far as the people that he's affecting around him on the team. Chatting with T.J. Carey, Raiders quarterback, Oakland getting set to take on New England Sunday in Mexico City. And T.J., a year ago, the Raiders played Houston in Mexico City. We hear so much about the elevation, the altitude. How big a deal is that from a player's point of view? You know, I think it's something that you you get accustomed to once you get out there on the field. The elevation is is only going to allow you to affect it if you continue to allow it to affect you. Uh, Once you get into the game, you know, you have so much adrenaline and emotion going on that, yeah, maybe the first drive or two you may feel it. uh, But after that, it's about playing football. And it's something that you play in all circumstances, whether it's raining, snowy, wet, uh, muggy. Those are the things that you sign up to do. And I think as players, we love that element. We love that factor to be able to perform at those high feats. And so going into the game, yeah, we might get affected the first drive or two. But after that, it's all about playing football. And that's something that we've played since we were young kids uh, on the asphalt when uh, we didn't have grass in some places. So it's something that we'll take advantage of and uh, definitely go out there and continue to play. Been a part of that asphalt, TJ. I know exactly what you're Sometimes with no shoes on, because I thought I was faster with my shoes off. Remember those days, right? You used to run and go, you think you're really getting somewhere, you're not moving nowhere at all. But you guys are actually trending in the right direction. Speaking of moving, you end up having a half of a game, let's just say, for splitting the series between yourself and Kansas City. You're sitting there right behind them. What do you guys think you need to do collectively as you get past this halfway point? What do you think you need to do in order to to turn this thing completely around, obviously taking it one game at a time, but being able to contend and get back to where you once were last year, which was hopefully winning the division and uh, also getting back into the postseason? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest thing is always worrying about us. You know, I think that when you're very sound in what you do as a team, as a unit within all three phases, um, it's very hard to stop you as an opponent because you're so in tune with what you guys do best. You know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, so you know how teams will attack you. And when you take advantage of just really focusing on yourself, um, whoever is in front of you, it, it doesn't really matter the cost of what it's going to take to beat that team. And so I think that's what we continue to strive, and that's something that Coach Del Rio continues to embedding us is it's about us it's it's not about new england it's not about the teams that we play after new england it's about how well can we be effective in what we do as far as the pass game the run game the stopping the run stopping the pass turnovers uh something that we we praised ourselves on that we were so ex- excellent in last year is something that we continue to work on this year because we're going to need turnovers in order for us to win games down this last stretch you know Weather's not going to be as good now uh, when you're starting to play November, December ball. You know, So those are the things that we're going to have to start to capitalize on to give us 
a more of an advantage to win games late in December. And I think when you when you narrow those things down to focusing on yourself, taking every game one game at a time, that allows you to be unstoppable in the things that you want to do and the goals that we have that we want to reach. DJ, you're an inspiration. We enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for your time, and have a great time tonight on NFL Network's Twitter show. Thanks so much, TJ. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, this is Peter King from the MMQB. Listen to the NFL on TuneIn each Tuesday as I join Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart on NFL No Huddle. Over the shoulder, catch to the five, inside the pylon, touchdown! We'll cover the hottest storylines from around the league and preview each week's biggest games. So catch NFL No Huddle weekdays from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern, only on TuneIn. TuneIn is your home for the National Football League. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's spotlight top stories across the NFL with Charles Davis of Fox Sports. CD, we appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing well. Hope you guys are the same. We're doing better because we have a chance to chat with you. So let's start with the game that you witnessed in person and you talked to the Vikings coaches getting ready for that matchup in our nation's capital. How do you think they're going to handle the quarterback situation moving forward, even though Case Keenum had a big performance? Mike Zimmer, as you know, non-committal yesterday and would not name a starter today. Yeah, and I think that when you get that from Mike Zimmer, he hasn't said a word, so I can, I'm not using his words and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. So this is just me extrapolating and taking what I believe to be an educated guess. If he's not committing to Case Keenum, who's in the midst of a 5-2 and two record as a starter during this time frame, you could probably stretch it to 6-2 and two if you give him credit for the Chicago game that he relieved Sam Bradford. But in any event, playing well, big part of why they won yesterday, even though he threw the two interceptions late, he made some really nice throws. Team responds to him. I think Pat Sherman, the offensive coordinator, is doing a really nice job in playing to his strengths and making them part of the offense. But the head coach is not committed and said, this is who we're riding all the way through with a quarterback coming off of a horrendous knee injury, hasn't played, no preseason. He's going to play. And I mean Teddy Bridgewater. He actually told us in our meeting at some point, I expect Teddy Bridgewater to be our quarterback this year. He said, when, I can't tell you. So they're working hard in practice to try and get him ready. Teddy Bridgewater is taking a lot of reps with the first team, not more than than Case Keenum, but more than you would have a backup quarterback take. I think Cordell could tell you what that ratio would be in, in normal situations, but more than that, and they're doing a lot of other things in practice, scripted and unscripted to try and get Teddy ready to play. And I'll finish with this. To me, that means that internally, they probably said to themselves, we believe Case Keenum can take us to point A. But point B being playoff Super Bowl deep, they must feel like Teddy Bridgewater is the guy to take them there for them to be in this spot. That's just my this that's just my read on it after being with them last week, and I'll see him again this week. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Charles, can you create a case of why Case Keenum should continue to start until proven that he's not able to anymore? Yeah, I think that you can. And Cordell, I think this week's game made the case for him more than anything. Because the case against him was, if you look at Minnesota's schedule so far, it's not been murderer's rough. So when you look at the games that Case Keenum won as a starting quarterback, 
they weren't against teams that were very good. The teams that they that would be respected around the league and you would put in the good category, they lost those two games. So people would say, see, he can win this, but he can't win that. But Washington was an interesting case because them going to Seattle last week and winning signals that you've got a team that's got talent. They also did it when they didn't have all their players. This week, they had most of their offensive line back. They, they, they had you know just about everybody up for defense. And Case Keenum threw four touchdown passes, not because his receiver is just wide open, but a lot of things that he did as well, made a ton of plays. And remember, Washington scored first, made it 7 nothing, and the chase was on. So you can make that case a strong one. Team believes in him. Adam Thielen could not be happier having him there. They have a great telepathy. Um, you know, Kyle Rudolph's catching the ball. The backs are running the heck out of it because that offensive line's taking care of them in the run game and take care of Keenum in the pass game. I could go on, but I'll stop there. I think there's a very strong case that could be made. And I think that if Mike Zimmer had said, hey, I'm committing to Case Keenum and we'll go to Teddy only if we have to, I think the team would have been just fine with that. Obviously, the team's excited to have Teddy Bridgewater back. The respect, the respect factor is off the charts. That type of knee injury, he wasn't supposed to come back and play, period, let alone be back in a position where he may start another NFL game. So the team loves the story, respects Teddy greatly. But I do believe if he'd committed to Case Keenum, they would have hitched on and, and ridden. But I believe this organization feels like for what we really have in store here, what we really think we're having going on, and this could be a special year, Heck, we might host the Super Bowl. Teddy Bridgewater must be the one that they think is the guy because they have not made that commitment to Case Keenum. Trying to make history. No team has ever played the big game in their home stadium. Closest we came to that was the Rams playing the Steelers in the Rose Bowl. Taking you around the league with Charles Davis. Charles, we know Philadelphia is the most complete team in all of football, best record. But if we're looking at the NFC only with all the games in that conference you call each week for Fox, if I'm asking you to pick between the Saints the Rams and Vikings who match up on Sunday. Who's the second best team in the NFC right now? Oh boy, that's a that's a very good one. Um, I lean towards the Vikings because of their defense, but the Saints have played so well over the seven game stretch, and in part, not in part, in a huge way because of their defense. I think we're just having a hard time, Brian, getting our heads wrapped around the fact that we're talking about the Saints' defense so much. We've gotten so used to <laughs> maligning it and rightly so, that we're still trying to be convinced by it. Don't be convinced. Don't, 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 don't stress on it. Be convinced. That's a very good unit, and they're playing at top level. And Cam Jordan, their defensive end, doesn't get nearly enough attention as a defensive MVP candidate. Plays the run, the pass, motivates those guys. He does it all. So you're right there with all of them. The Rams are the next one that we're having trouble being convinced about because we've gotten so used to their defense being pretty good, their offense being abysmal that we're having to, we're really struggling with the idea that that offense is averaging more than double the points they averaged a year before. They scored more points in, a, in this season already than they scored all of last season. And Jared Goff, everybody wanted to call a bust, is not a bust. So we're having trouble getting our heads wrapped around that one as well. Again, I think be convinced. So I think the Saints-Vikings, I mean the Rams-Vikings game this week might be the tiebreaker for two. But the Saints are right there, guys. I've seen them in person a couple of times, and they get better and better. And last week, how about this for a surprise, Cordell? The Saints ran for more yards than Drew Brees <laughs> threw for. I think that's the third time in his career in New Orleans that that's happened. We talked about that early in the show and, and mentioning that everything was done on the ground and he only had to throw for 80, 184 yards with no touchdowns in the air, <laughs> which normally Crazy. doesn't happen, Charles. I'll, I'll say that, but – 
Philadelphia. How good is this Philadelphia Eagles team? I mean, defensively, they're second to none from a physical standpoint. I think because of the pressure they apply up front, it helps the secondary out offensively with Carson Wentz. I mean, he has proven to me last year, along with this year, while he should have been the number one player taken overall, but I think the better fit is Philadelphia. How good is this football team also now that you've added Jay Ajayi along with the Garrett Blunt and everyone in this offense? Yeah, they're very good. I think the biggest concern they've got is still left tackle with Halapulavate Vitae, but they're going to do nice things to help him tight ends on that side, backs. They'll run a, you know, they'll run different games there to make sure the pass rushers get slowed down. And you notice they left Lane Johnson on the right side because everybody thought they would flip him. Yep. But he said, and rightly so, a lot of pass rushers come from this side too, guys. And when they played Denver and Von Miller, a lot of us expected Von Miller to play games and go to the opposite side and rush by time more. Did you know coming into that game, he'd only gone to that side 14 times prior? So I don't know if it's a comfort zone for him, if that's how Denver wants to run defense. And Lane Johnson was right. I'm going to see all Von Miller. So he might want to leave me here. And they did, and it's working out very well. Defensively, Fletcher Cox is a wrecker inside, but he's gotten so much help from Tim Jernigan, which has allowed him to do more uh, on the inside. They've got linebackers that can run. Nigel Bradham's quietly having a Pro Bowl year. Not going to get the credit for it, filling in for Jordan Hicks. And Michael Kendrick, who they keep trying not to put on the field before, they're leaving him full-time. He's playing at a really high level. He's an excellent player and can run down everything. But the key for me is how the te- secondary tackles. Because how many secondary guys in Philadelphia can you name right now? See, I start with Malcolm Jenkins, but he asked fans, okay, name the secondary of the Eagles. Mm-hmm. They're going to struggle with that. But when guys catch the football, there's not, much yard, there's not much yardage after catch. And that's a big, big deal when you start making people run extra plays. Typically, you create extra plays run on offense – you create better opportunities for takeaways. Got two minutes left, so let's get you out of here with this one. You're a proud Tennessee volunteer, shined in the SEC, playing in Tennessee. Now that your alma mater is looking for a new head coach, are they going to target John Gruden? Well, <laughs> I can't say because I haven't talked to the, the athletic director on that, but his name is going to come up big, and you guys know by now that the fans would, would, would kill to have that happen. I don't think a, a good AD would not kick the tires on that. But I think what our AD would, would likely do is if he's going to kick the tires, I don't think he wants to kick them for long. He needs to find out if he's interested. And if so, you need to move fast. And if he's not interested, the request would be, please tell the world you're not interested. Because the longer it lingers out there, if John Gruden's a so-called candidate for the job, and I can't say if John is or isn't, but if he's not one, it needs to be out there that he's not because otherwise no, almost no matter who you hire, it's not going to feel right to Tennessee people. I'll give you a quick example. You remember years ago when Steve Springer quit at Florida. Okay. Right. You remember that? And Jeremy Foley was the AD and he did a search for his guys. And unfortunately it was way too public. He flew to Norman, Oklahoma to talk to Bob Stoops because of his time there with Spurrier's a defense coordinator. He flew to Denver at the time where Mike Shanahan was head coach and coming off a couple Super Bowls. And then he hired Ron Zook. Now think about that. Bob Stoops gets the people excited. Mike Shanahan gets people excited. You hire a guy who's never been head coach before in Ron Zook. It really put Coach Zook behind the eight ball before he ever coached a game at Florida because it seems like a thud hire instead of a boom hire. And that's the thing you want to avoid if you're Tennessee, that, hey, if John Gruden's name lingers forever, almost no matter who you hire, if it's not John, 
that coach comes in and the fan base isn't excited about it. If John says, hey, I'm not interested, great job, hope you get someone, then the fans can turn their, turn their attention to loving whoever you get. You see what I mean? It's a psychological perception. I got you. Yeah. You're playing chess as always. Charles, we got to go. Next time I want to talk about your clothing allowance. You're looking too damn good on national TV, <laughs> my man. You're embarrassing all hey. of us. Keep it going. We'll be watching the Rams and Vikings. Thank you, Charles. As always, we Thanks appreciate the time. Thanks words. Thanks a lot. You guys be good. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005 was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now we're joined by former Falcons quarterback DJ Shockley. DJ, we appreciate you taking the time, and we know clearly the Cowboys were not the same up front missing Tyron Smith, but how could they not make any changes in play calling or formation? Because Adrian Claiborne looked like Deacon Jones with a half dozen sacks. <laughs> you were. You, you spot on, man. I, I think I counted maybe two or three times in the game where they tried to chip or – uh, they they try to bring a receiver by the crack or, you know, just trying to get something to help him on the edge. And it just wasn't working. And, uh, and then they continued to try, try to stretch the ball down the field, which forced, you know, Dak to hold on to the football a little bit longer. And it was just a culmination of not getting him some help, but also the guys on the back end doing a great job uh, holding down. I, I did a breakdown on uh, com and it showed exactly – what Dak is looking at down the field, and they were in like a two-man coverage, and nobody was open. He was trying to improvise, and eventually Adrian Claiborne got there. Well, when you can't get the help off the off the blind side, it's kind of hard for you to wait for anything to truly develop. Now, answer this question for me uh, when you think about everything. Um, when watching this Falcons teams play, okay, we, we know they have their deficiencies, and, and that was a great win yesterday. How much are you truly buying that win when you had uh, Sean Lee, who was out on defense? Uh, you also had um, Tyron Smith, who's a pro bowler at the left tackle position. You had a guard, Chaz Green, going from guard to over to the tackle position. And you also had Ezekiel Elliott out of the game. How much are you drinking that Kool-Aid that this team can really play this type of football for the rest of the season? Or are you just saying that's one they got and let's just move forward and let's just wait to see what happens in the next game? Just like you, you and I both know, be aware of notice. You can't help who on the field with you, and you got to execute one way or another. And I know in the past couple of weeks the Falcons haven't done it, and they played against some really good opponents who had, you know, they pulled cast of characters, and it hasn't worked out. But in this ball game, usually the Falcons needed a big time performance against an opponent who 
coming off a three-game win streak. Yes, they they lost a couple of their key players, but in the, the day, this was still a defense that played really well versus offense, and the offense played really well uh, versus defense. I thought he did a good job of the execution part of uh, the game plan. As far as we saw last couple of weeks, there were some drop balls, there were some some dumb penalties, and this ball game they had zero pre-snap penalties. They had a bunch of those in the last previous games. They had none of the the, the, the stupid pass interferences or any of the uh, flagrant foul type of stuff go on throughout the a play that negated certain big plays by their defense. This was, I thought, was a, a true uh, execution part of it. And, and, and in the red zone, they were three or four in the red zone where they had struggled for a long time, seven or 13 um, in, in third down conversions, over 50%. That is what they've been striving for. And regardless of who they had on the other side, they still had to execute. They still had to go out and, and be the type of team that they need to be, and I thought they did that. Chatting with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback here on the NFL on TuneIn. DJ, uh, DJ said you got a good look at Dallas yesterday. Do you think they're going to stay in the wild card conversation? Five more games coming out without Ezekiel Elliott and looking at the Sunday. They have to take on the best team in all of football and the Eagles on Sunday night. Yeah, it's going to be tough because they're right there uh, at that wild card spot, exactly where Atlanta is, right in that range. And there's like four or five teams right there who are in similar spots with the way the season's going. I don't see how they can maintain or how they can stay in this race with what I saw yesterday. And putting everything on Dak Prescott's back, he's a good player, no doubt, but I don't think he is ready for that just yet. He needs that run game. He needs some semblance of a run game to help him maybe throw that football down the field. Uh, there was not much of a, a dead sighting. Jason Witten had a couple catches here and there, but they weren't anything that, uh, to call home to. This was an offense that really, truly struggled down the stretch. And, Cordell, you mentioned that. Having Sean Lee, that's a big deal. And they, they did a stat during the game about with him on the field and with him out, and it's just amazing the amount of numbers that's put up on that defense, how many points are scored when he's not on the field. And he's kind of equivalent to, like everybody talked about, the Luke Kuechly type of player because he's all over the field. But I don't think this is a team right now with their schedule that's coming up that's going to stay right there in that playoff hunt, especially with not having Ezekiel the next four or five games. That's going to take a big toll on this team. Mentioned Luke Keekley as, as a chance that he may end up for sure playing in this game tonight. But um, with saying that, um, I want to go out to New York. Talk about Ben McAdoo and his statement and talking about you motivate yourself because you get a check. Have you ever been told that in the life of playing football? Let's go back to Little League. We can go back to middle school. We can go back to high school, (laughs) college, and the time in which you did end up getting some money. Have you ever had a coach tell you, look you in the face or say in any presser, guys need to motivate themselves for whatever reason they need to motivate themselves. Have you ever heard that before? Absolutely not. I I, I mean, I've I've heard for the longest you play this game because you love it. You love this game. You're passionate about it. And when you're more concerned about the money, you're more concerned about the check you're getting, then it's going to be a whole different story. You're worried about other things happening in a ball game. But when you care about it, when you're passionate about it, when you give your all about it, I've seen guys literally break down in tears because they love the game and it hurts to lose a ball game. And it has nothing to do with because I'm making $10 million. It's all about because I love the game. I love playing with the guys that are next to me, and I don't want to let those guys down. Or the statement of you play because, you know, you're getting that check, that's ridiculous. Then that's probably why you're in the position you're in now. You're going to continue to do that. And I'm sure that is not something that a lot of those guys on that team play for or is the reason why they go out there. So I, I, I just thought that statement 
was way out of left field and foul. Wing and a miss, and we're going to use a bunch of baseball analogies, too, because Cordell's <laughs> Mr. Baseball on the show. Hey, pitchers and catchers report in February, and you can hear it on TuneIn Premium. DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. DJ, you follow the NFC very closely. Which seven-team uh, victory tally club do you believe in the most? The Rams, the Vikings, or the Saints? I give you LA, I give you New Orleans, I give you Minnesota. Which team are you buying the most there? You know, I think it may be a, a tie between the Rams and the Saints. I mean, having, we talked about it last week with how, how well golf's playing, the confidence he's playing with, put him, had another good game, 25 and 37, 355, three tubs. I mean, that's, that's putting up big time numbers. Uh, I know you're playing against Houston, who has struggled a little bit defensively uh, with some of their key parts out. But also New Orleans, man, they they went into Buffalo, who you thought would probably be a closer game or a tougher game and would give, you know, the Saints something to really worry about because their defense is actually pretty good. Tyrod's played pretty well. You're playing in Buffalo. The weather's not always great. And they put a whooping on Buffalo. This may be one of the more legit teams this season that everybody was really passing by and Drew Brees still playing at a high level, but both those teams, the Rams and the Saints, uh, I guess if to answer the question there, uh, I think it would be the Saints simply because of what they're doing week in and week out in this win streak and how well the defense is playing. And whenever Drew Brees has a defense behind him, last time I heard that, they were playing in the Super Bowl. So uh, they got a great thing going right now, and uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Tell me about the Minnesota Vikings. I like my guy Cakes Keenum. Now, I've been talking about Case Keenum over the last couple of years, going back to when they were in St. Louis, to even how he was playing in the short time that he did have a chance to play last year in L.A. Uh, now he goes to a better team. And then look at the L.A. Rams. They're even the better team because they have new coaches. How much you're buying Case Keenum as the starting quarterback with the momentum they have on this football team, the chemistry they have with one another, continuing to play because of a good win that he got yesterday and a few others that he's gotten throughout this season? You know what, man? I really believe when you get a second chance to start, a second chance to kind of revive your career, you kind of make the most of it and you try to, you know, play a little bit above your standards sometimes. I know, Corey, you've never been through that. You've always been a starter. So a guy like me, when you have a chance. <laughs> what are you to talking be, about here? I'm just saying, man. You, but you I, can, I can identify it. I can identify it. I'm with you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's your moment. Go ahead. Go ahead. Be well. Be well. He can't identify. So oh, I, yeah. I Hollywood Stewart is what we call I, him on I, this show. I thought from the backup standpoint, as a guy who's been in that position, you kind of revive your career off, you know, how you're playing. And this guy has simply done that. I mean, he's played lights out for the past few weeks. And every time I look up, this Adam Thielen guy is just crushing it. He's killing it. He's all over the place. He's making plays for him. And obviously, the Minnesota Vikings are on a high. At first, I was wondering, how can Minnesota continually get this good QB play with having two, three guys been out, Raffles been in and out, now you got – and they're throwing around ball. And the Minnesota Vikings are going to be something to deal with here down the road, especially with how they're playing. And defensively, we've known for years they get after people. Although the Vikings started last year 5-0 and and imploded, did not make the playoffs, as you know. DJ, you're a starter. Hey, now you're an all-star. Whatever the <laughs> hell that song goes. Always great to have you on the program, DJ. You're number one in our book here on the NFL on TuneIn. I appreciate it, fellas. Yeah, uh, I know you got my man Charles Davis coming on later. Make sure you guys tell him I said hello. He's killing it right now, but that's my guy. He's a good mentor for me right now as I step into the 
the broadcast world for sure. So we, I'm loving it. We I can all you learn a lot from Charles, everybody. especially the way he dresses. Did you see how Natalie Atari <laughs> was on Fox in our nation's capital yesterday? Hey, the, the guy is always top tier when you're talking about style and class. So he looks the part. <laughs> Styling and profiling. Thank you, DJ. We'll chat with you next Monday. <laughs> All right, fellas. Appreciate y'all be good. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustained peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on TuneIn premium today welcome back to nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart as we close out nfl no huddle the podcast it's time for cordell and i to go on the record with what we are more than sure is going to happen on monday night football it takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Let's start by hearing from some marquee names. Here's a Dominican Sioux with the Dolphins on the matchup. I'm excited. Uh, I think it's going to be a great opportunity, obviously, being on the road again underneath the lights. And uh, I would say at the end of the day, we just haven't got our job done, whether it's national television game, whether it's a one o'clock game or afternoon game, one of the primetime games. You want to be successful in all situations in all games because everyone means the most. And, uh, and obviously, we got to take care of this week's business to get to where we want to be. Now it's Cam Newton who won the MVP award a couple years ago, weighing in on playing under the lights. As long as we win, it's all that matters to me. Uh, but it's every every child's dream, or every kid's dream growing up. You know, just visualizing playing on Monday night. Uh, I can remember. I'm drawing a blank right now. I remember the, the they had the theme song. From a man with the cowboy hat. Are you ready for some football? I was like, it's a good sauce, good swag right there. Yeah, I might bring my cowboy hat, you know, for Monday night too. So. <laughs> Cornell, I'm sure Hank Williams Jr. is proud to know he has produced good sauce. We have a minute and 30 seconds left. It's two teams moving in different directions. Miami's lost back-to-back games. Panthers looking for their third consecutive victory. Who's going to win tonight and why? I'm going with the... Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton on Monday night, he's 80% when it comes to winning. He has the most yards per game on Monday nights. His TD and interception ratio is at his highest, and total QBR is even better uh, than any other time that he plays, whether it's Thursdays or Sundays. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers. I think that guy right there, Cowboy hat included, will be the reason why they go out and win. Good defense, Christian McCaffrey along with everyone else. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers because they do have the momentum, and it's a must-win for them to keep up with the New Orleans Saints. 
especially given that the Saints have already a head-to-head victory over Carolina. So that really is the salient point. I know it's only mid-November, but these teams, talking about Carolina and New Orleans, already playing for playoff positioning. Carolina cannot afford a letdown at home tonight. Saw an encouraging step in the right direction last week when they beat the Falcons, establishing the ground game. Christian McCaffrey ran it in for a score in addition to being a major impact player in the slot. Carolina's going to win tonight, 31-21. We're back with you tomorrow to break down the game and take you around the league with Peter King of MMQB.com here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.